Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm so glad all of you guys are here. Those online, thanks for joining us and being part of our family here. As you know, livingmessiah.com is our website. You'll find the donate button there, and we want to thank all those who do give and support uh, this ministry here. Thank you so much. We do appreciate that. So uh, let me open in prayer and then we can get started or maybe right before prayer. Another, uh, just a reminder with the mics. There's two of them out there. I think they're sitting over here. And um, possibly today you're going to need, at least some of you are going to need your Bibles because I'd like to read some other scriptures. Uh, but back to the mic. Make sure uh, if you have a comment or question, raise your hand. It'll find its way to you. And make sure you speak into it uh, close to your mouth and clear. That way here and online can hear you. And that makes all our uh, soundboard crew back there happy as well too. So uh, keep that in mind because we're all here to learn together. So let me open in prayer and we can get uh, started. Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, we thank you for this Shabbat day. We thank you for your fall uh, feast, these appointed times that remind us of your power and who you are, Father, your character of forgiving and merciful and, Father, loving. We thank you, Father, that you revealed yourself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and that you are eternal and there is no one no one like you, Father. We thank you for the empowerment of your spirit so we can overcome and we can journey back to the image that you designed us to be from the very beginning. Father, we thank you for your love. Father, I'd like to lift up my mother to you and I ask that you would continue to watch over her, help her in her healing uh, from her small surgery, Father. And uh, Father, just let that progress for, uh, uh, and that she can be back to her normal self. I thank you for that, Father. Amen. Okay, so as you guys know, we're in chapter 17. And the main theme I like, I'm going to bring this back up again, I think. Because in Luke and in Matthew, Yeshua talked about um, that, do not think I have come to bring you peace. A bed of roses, that type thing. No, he's come to bring division. And that's the word of Elohim. The word of Elohim that divides you out from what is good and what is not. And that same principle, as you know, you'll find all the way through Scripture, from the very beginning, it's been that way. And even in the priesthood, if you would think, the, the priests were called to show the character in the name of the Most High. And one of those duties is to show you what was profane and what was good for you, okay? So that theme continues with uh, Yahshua, the Messiah, the, who we call the Messiah and the King to return. So with that in mind, oh, a thumbs up, please, thank you. And we left off in Acts 17, 
just real briefly, uh, in Acts 17, we know Paul, he ends up in, a, he's, ends up in Athens. He starts off in a synagogue. Uh, as he normally does, as it says over and over. But here we see that things are changing a little bit. He ends up um, speaking with some philosophers in those, the ideas at the time, debating and speaking with some people on uh, these things because, and as we'll read, we'll, we see that, and it's like, oh, I've never heard such a thing. Okay, so a lot of this, what Paul's talking about, is going into now ears that have not known or did not are not aware of the God of Israel okay so now the word to me actually is starting going out to the so-called uh, uh, um, Gentiles or the goyim in that sense up until this point for the most part it has been in the synagogue it's been with his Jewish brothers and those who've had already accepted or have come to know the God of Israel from the nations okay so I think that's a very important point so we'll begin here therefore indeed he was reasoning in the congregation with the Udim and with the uh, Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who would meet there and some of the um, uh, Epicurean and uh, Stockic, if I'm philosophers, encountered him. And some were saying, What does this babbler wish to say? Others said, He seems to be proclaiming a strange mighty one or a strange God, a different one than that we're aware of. Because of them, he brought, uh, um, because to them, he brought the good news, Yahshua, and the resurrection. And we talked real briefly about these, uh, who these, somewhat who these people are, but I don't really think we need to get back into that and understand it to uh, any point. Uh, except to maybe, if we can bring this idea to, the, uh, to today, it's, it's the God of Israel, that good news that is embedded from the very beginning, and Yahshua is part of bringing that good news out, part of that good news, versus secularism, versus all these other different philosophies of various forms, some touching Christianity, some not. So um, that is maybe what is going on here. And I think Paul brought out, uh, as w I think a good explanation, you know, this place, it was more than just your basic idols here and there. This place where he was seems to be saturated where there was much more. And that's what kind of maybe grieved Paul uh, within himself. Not that he's not ever been around idols or aware of something. So, so let's continue here. So they laid hold of him and brought him to the, uh, to the Aeropachus, saying... Are we able to know what this fresh, new, fad teaching is of which you speak? For you are bringing some strange matters to our ears. We wish then to know what these mean. For all the Athenians and the strangers living there spent their leisure time in doing naught but to speak or to hear what is 
fresh. What is new? What's this new guy? You've got some new information. Because remember, maybe in general, the whole background, which you see today, there's tons of people who just want to know stuff. Okay, because that's the pinnacle of life. The more you know, the better you are, and then, then what? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so what I was thinking about, I, would, I always try to think, okay, what are some newer terms? How can we make this more today, maybe? Um, it's, a, it's a place of fresh new teachings, Okay. Fresh new teachings, the newest thing, the newest thing that's gone viral, right? The newest thing gone viral. What a strange, that's where my mind went in my process. I'm like, oh, because we're all familiar with the social media and that terminology. It's gone viral. It's going everywhere. What's the newest thing out there? And let's pass it on, pass it on. And you know what surprised me? And I, it was right in front of me the whole time. The actual term, viral. Man, that doesn't sound too healthy from the very beginning, right? So is anything that's gone viral, honestly, where it's come from? Because when I did a real quick search in this idea, viral is always associated with medical uh, ideas, something that's not healthy or spreading. Later on, it went to computers of, of a virus, right? And now this virus is now passing not only in the computers and into the people now in a different way. Wouldn't you say? So now, okay, if we look at social media, you know, that wonderful thing that it is, right? Come on, that was a joke. <laughs> but seriously, uh, you start looking at that, if we start to compare what's going on here, this newest thing that's going on. Because most of the, let's, let's face it, the secular world is out there, right, on social media, wanting the new, newest thing just to be interested, just to know, right? So I think we could do that. Because think about it, look at 21, verse 21. Spending all their free time doing nothing but talking about what they've watched, what they've seen, what's the newest social media thing. So you've got to ask yourself, which I started questioning myself recently, man, how much time am I spending watching YouTube? I, you know, I don't really watch TV anymore, but now, okay, we got this YouTube, and you can about watch anything. How many hours you spend doing this? Seriously, guys. All your leisure time spending doing that or watching a YouTube thing, and it might be a religious thing or, or whatever and something that's profitable, but compare that to how many times do you open your scriptures, right, and you read it. You just read the words for yourself instead of me saying something, Mark saying something, or some other brother or sister in the community that you broke out the scriptures and are reading it yourself that is very very important because I'll tell you this when I first came let's say 
when my journey back, it was through uh, uh, the Assemblies of God, okay? Because I, I was in the world thing, uh, that type thing. I, years and years, I didn't have a TV. I didn't have anything. So what I'm saying is, I got to tell you, that is such a, was such a benefit because all I did was read. I read the scriptures, and I read more scriptures, and I read more scriptures, you know? That will, I can't tell you, that will help one way or another with your walk with the creator of the universe when you read it for yourself, okay? So I, that was very important that I would say that to you today because I personally found that that is so true, so true. Meditating, you know, so, so that's what we got here. We got this world, just your basic world, wanting something new with all their leisure time. They're spending on worldly things. What's new out there? This new fad, that new fad, or what have you. And don't think that these traps can't get you because they will get you. They've gotten me where I had to back off. It's like, my gosh, I'm going, how many hours have I watched YouTube? And some of it was profitable stuff, get me not wrong. But it's like, how long? And it's like, no way. Especially this week was kind of bad for me because I had overload of work, suit coat coming up, get home. And, uh, and I'm like, what am I doing? I just, I'd rather meditate, at least watch something else. So anyhow, I, would li- I just wanted to bring that to your attention. And maybe you're convicted as I was so many times in my life about things. So let's continue on. So this is Paul. And having stood in the midst of the Aeropachus, Saul said, men of Athens, men of the world, anyone, I see that you are very religious in every matter. For passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this subscription inscribed inscription to the unknown mighty one, to the unknown God, okay? Not knowing then whom you actually worship, I make them known to you. Yahuwah, who made the world and all that is in it, This one, being master of the heavens and earth, does not dwell in dwellings made with hands. I said last week, right now, Paul's going to start ministering, evangelizing, whatever you want to do. Maybe just speaking about his creator. He's not breaking out the scriptures. He's not breaking out the Bible, telling you... Isaiah says this, Luke says this, Matthew said this. No, he doesn't use any like really biblical type terms here. He's using just basic language that they would understand where they're at. With his Jewish brothers, he spoke much differently because his audience was quite aware of his references and the things that he was speaking about. But so now he's speaking more in general. 
but I would say very biblically, biblically sound. And that's what I'd like to look at today. Is Paul off his rocker? Is the things Paul's saying, do you know from maybe your point of view, being a, a follower of Messiah, do you know the places that he's referencing? Is the things he's saying true of the God of Israel? Instead of just taking, you know, you know what I mean? Because we got to proof Paul. In some ways, okay, is he just babbling? <laughs> is he babbling this stuff? And where's he getting his babble from? Joe, I'll get that mic right to you. And then we're going to want to look into this, where Paul's coming from. Paul is going all the way back to the Old Testament Genesis. Uh, being he was a, a Pharisee, yes. he had to have some knowledge of creation. So he was referring to Genesis 1, where the Heavenly Father made the heavens and the, the heaven, not mm -hmm. heavens, the heaven and earth, and everything that's in it, under the sea, over the sea, everywhere. He is the creator. Excellent. No, I, that's one of the places that Scripture speaks of, what, she, what ultimately uh, he's referencing. Thank you, Joe. What is interesting here to me as we get into this is not knowing then whom you worship. Isn't that funny? Because we did know some don't even believe in gods or anything. They thought it was petty. They could just wish everyone would get rid of their god syndrome and just be knowledgeable like us. But there was others thought there were gods but didn't really interact with humanity to some extent. They Gods did their God thing, man did their man thing, or whatever. Whatever the philosophies were. But Paul's pointing out, you went to the effort to at least set up an idol to someone that you suspect is out there. So that leaves room, obviously, for Paul. But it, I, just, I just think that's interesting how Paul, knowing then whom you worship but you don't know, just in case, you know what I mean? I believe in God just in case. <laughs> you know? That's weird. But Paul says, I'll make them known to you. Now, we got to remember there is no New Testament. So all what Paul is going to be speaking about here, it's understood through the Hebrew Scriptures up to that point. Okay? The Torah, the prophets and the writings, the Tanakh, right? And like I just asked, Joe pointed out, Yahweh who made the world and all that is in it, this one being master of the heavens and the earth, he does not dwell in dwellings made with hands. So he's pointing out, you've got nice temples, obviously, that are over here, but... He, I want to tell you about someone who doesn't dwell in a temple. But that sounds odd because in Jerusalem there is a temple. And in the tabernacle, it was considered a, a movable temple. 
But maybe I would suggest to you it was never suggested that he only dwelt there. It was a place that he spoke from because it's quite clear that if he's above all from the beginning, then he is above all from the beginning. And it's not one little temple that he's confined to, right? If you want, uh, if someone can break out their Bible, we're going to go to Isaiah 42.5. And I'm going to have someone with the mic read their translation. Because what I want to do is go play by play where Paul's getting his information. Isaiah 42, verse 5. We'll start there and we'll read to, to 6. I think it will be good. Go ahead. Uh, we need a mic over here. Um, yes, Isaiah 42, 5 through 6. Listen to this. This is awesome. Okay. My translation says, Thus says Yahweh, who created the heavens and stretched out them, um, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gave breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. I, Yahuwah, have called you in righteousness, and I will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. Awesome. Thank you. So there you can see in Isaiah is this proclamation. The proclamation, again, that we see several different places in scriptures, but Paul's holding to that idea of the God of Israel. That he's the one who stretched out the heavens. He's the one that did all the earth. He's done it all. He even gave breath to every single person there. Now, if you switch back in some ways, depending on whatever philosophy that he's speaking to, he's really getting to the core of things here. Ultimately, he's starting out, well, basically, my God's bigger than all your idols and whatever you believe. Now, he's saying it differently, and he's getting that from the Hebrew Scriptures, but I think that's the one important point for me is seeing how Paul, without religious lingo, so to speak, can talk about his God without breaking out the Scriptures. And this actually is something I think maybe I also mentioned. We have to know these words. We have to, you might, I, I don't know verse by verse, but try to embody the principles there. Know where to go in your own. Because, you know what, you're going to have your own doubts. You're going to have your own ups and downs. So you need to get these words in you. You need to be aware of these words of our Creator and the prophets who support all that He has said. Another part is, thus says Yahuwah, this is Isaiah 66, 1. He proclaims this a lot in Scripture, and this is this point. Thus says Yahuwah, the heavens are my throne, and the earth is my footstool. 
Where is this house that you would build for me? And where is the place of my rest? And all these my hands have made, and these that exist, declares Yahuwah. Yet to such a one I look on him who is poor and bruised of spirit and who trembles at my word. Now, I'm going off the idea here. Paul says he's created the heavens and the earth. And if anyone journeys further, they'll see that there is more to that statement. Because he says, that I, what's he talking about here in Isaiah? I made the heavens and the earth, and, you know, the earth is my, I rule from above. The earth is my footstool. Where's this house that you would build for me? Is there a place that you can build for me? Where is this house? But notice how quickly in Isaiah, uh, uh, if you look at it, 66.2, all these I've made and exist because of me, basically. Then he switches, yet such a one I look on him who is poor. So ultimately, he's looking for a house to dwell in. Can you build me a house? I know I'm going here, but in looking at this, can you build me a house? Can you build me a temple? Of course we can. David built one. They built one, right? But He's talking about something deeper here in the Hebrew Scriptures. Paul's not alluding to it here. I know that. But he's beginning with the simplicity of who his God is versus this other thought process. Yes, Joe. Uh, Ralph, are we uh, in verse 56 of Isaiah, verse 1? I, go ahead. I don't have it. I thought you said Isaiah 56, verse 1. Isaiah 66. 66. Okay, yes, sir. I'm sorry. That's all right. So what I think is going on here in Isaiah 66, along with eventually when you get that Elohim made the heavens and the earth, and later on I'm, it will become relevant that, yeah, you can build him a temple, you can build him this nice building, but the challenge is, is just what is being declared in Isaiah. Yet to such a one I look on him who is poor and bruised in spirit and who trembles at my word. Sounds like that's where he's going to want to dwell. Someone who trembles at my word, that hears my words, does my words, right? Right? Deuteronomy 14, or excuse me, Deuteronomy 10, 14. Again, this idea, see the heavens and the heavens above the heavens belong to Yahweh, your Elohim. So the earth, also the earth and all that is in it. So this is why Paul, so many times it's stated in scripture of that very statement. All these other theologies or philosophies or ways of things that come in. That's why he just wanted some, simply says, you know, my God's above all of 
those things. Because he said so over and over again in my scriptures, you know, <laughs> that he, he gave our people. So let's continue on then. And this is all how he's addressing, if you can picture this, where he's at, this worship of ideas, sciences, philosophies. Twenty-five, nor is he served with man's hands as if needing any, needing any, himself giving to all life and breath and all else. That's an awesome statement. So what's he saying? What is Paul saying that his God is? Basically, Paul's saying, you know what, my God, he doesn't need your service. There's nothing that you can give him. There's nothing that you can sacrifice up to him. He's not hungry. He doesn't need your food, right? He doesn't need anything that you come up with because everything that you have, he's made. Joe. It's reminding of the verses in Scripture that say that he does not need any counsel. The Heavenly Father doesn't need anybody to counsel him or uh, tell him what to do or what not to do. Say, say that, I'm sorry, Joe. I'm having the, a hard time The Heavenly here. Father does not need anyone to counsel him. Correct. There is no, no one has counseled him. Yes, no, very true, very true. So this is the, Paul laying out his God to, and you can see in some ways this, obviously I would imagine is quite strange, you know, to them. So you can't really serve him. As if, need, as if he needs anything. You can serve him, but you see the context of what he's saying. Because in that idea, there's, okay, you know, bring, if you bring the fruit to the fruit monkey, and then, you know, we'll get fruit. You know, or whatever the idea is, whatever the God is, whatever the concept is of those who did do that, you know, Then he goes, and Paul really goes very deep here. And he has made from one blood every nation of man to dwell on all the face of the earth. Having ordained beforehand the times and the boundaries of their dwelling. So basically he's saying, all of you, he's made you. You come from one lineage. 
You might have little separate gods for whatever particular land. Well, he's above all that. He's above all the earth. It's his property. He owns it. He made one blood out of, uh, for every nation. One man that's made all. On the whole face of the earth. So none of you, in a sense, that he's saying in us, we're... The only thing that makes us unique is that we all look different in various things, but we all are one blood from one man. Joe. I was looking at verse 26, the last uh, sentence of that, uh, having foreordained before the times and boundaries of, the, uh, of their dwellings. I first thought, could that be a time a man is born and a time that he dies. The boundaries of their dwelling. Our dwelling is life. Also, uh, I think it's in Psalms where the scriptures say that he created us while we were still in our mother's womb. Yes. No. I think there's various ways that you, deep ways that we can see how that would how that, like what you're saying uh, beforehand, the times and the boundaries of their dwelling. I think it's multi-layered, you know, uh, in that. For sure, it's multi-layered. Yes. I do agree that we are one blood and one people. And the illusion of separation that the world put on us today is keeping us from seeing that. Wouldn't you agree? I say that again. I, I said, I agree that we are one blood and one people, but the illusion of separation has kept us from seeing that in the world today. Oh, yeah, the world's going to separate you from all that, if I'm understanding what you're saying. Yeah, there's all. And, what, you know, the, what I've seen is, is, is interesting. Yahuwah, he separates, right? And it seems like the things that he separates out are the same things everyone as humanity brings together, <laughs> wants to unite. And it's, it's crazy. Paul, I saw you had your hand up. Yeah, this is um, a real good example in terms of the awareness of Shaul or Paul. I mean, first he notices all the different shrines. I mean, he's brought to uh, Mars Hill or Aragopolis, and that's where court cases would be held, the higher learning and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, he's given an opportunity to speak, and he mentions the shrine to the unknown god. And so that was actually built uh, at the request of Epimenides, who was a poet, a scholar, um, they, some considered him a very religious man. But they built these things because they did not want to offend any of the gods. And since you had a city that would be kind of like a, a, a city where travelers would come from different places, and if you want to appease the gods, then they said, well, you know, we better cover our bases and build this for the unknown gods. And then he turns around and he quotes them where he says, uh, one of his things that he said, he says, for in him we live and move and exist. 
So he tied that in by saying, we all are his children, this unknown God. Yes. So it's interesting that here in this place where people feel like they want to be entertained and enlightened, there's something that they don't know. And that's who Paul is going to introduce them to is the Elohim or the mighty one that you don't know. And that's the introduction that is the hook, line, and sinker because now they are captive and they will want to hear. Yes. Now, and what, uh, thank you, Paul. What I think is interesting, because I, sometimes I try to visualize this going on, because they, they want to know, obviously, to that whole point, but the, how Paul's presenting truth, which is just truth, he's presenting this truth, you're going to have to decide. Do I, is this, you know, ah, no, that was a half thought. I forget that. Now, something to go back real quick, that he doesn't need anything from man. Psalms 50, verse 9, even states that. I do not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your pens. Because I know you're thinking, okay, he doesn't need anything, but what were the Israelites doing with all these sacrifices then if he didn't need them? For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know the birds of the mountains and all the moving in my fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not speak to you. For the world is mine and all that fills it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Now here's the kicker that I think is important. Offer thanksgiving to Elohim and pay your vows to the Most High. All of a sudden it's saying bring these, uh, these animals and these things to the Most High. But he says he don't need those. So what's the purpose then? What's one of the simplest things? It's ultimately for our benefit because he's not eating it, we, the priest would eat it, and it's there for me and you. It's there for that, those who know they're not feeding Elohim, they're doing it at Thanksgiving. Thank you for providing this goat, or, or what have you. You see, the dynamics change Really interesting for me here versus what I'm aware of what all the pagans do. you got to feed the gods, do this, get in this, or, or whatever. But he's saying this is all for humanity's benefit. And call upon me in the day of distress. Let me rescue you and your esteem and you esteem me. But the wrong Elohim said, what right have you to recite my laws, or take my covenant in your mouth. While you hated instruction, you don't want to listen to my words, 
While you hated my instruction, you cast my words behind you. Then you saw a thief. You were pleased with him, and you took part with adulterers. You let your mouth loose to evil, and your tongue uh, um, flames deceit. You sit, you speak against your brother, you slain your own mother's son, you have done this and kept silent. You have thought that I was altogether like you. I rebuke you and set you in order before your eyes. Understand this, please. You who forget Elohim, Eloah, least I tear you into pieces with no one to deliver. Whoever offers praise esteems me. And to him who prepares a way, I show the deliverance of Elohim. I just, in my study, I was like looking at some of these things and going back in these references that match. And it's like, it just gets so much deeper. So it's basically, there's these huge rabbit trails I just took you on. And it's like, and oh, there's so much uh, that I see that Paul is hinting to, but he's using the basics of his God to speak with those who do not know. Paul uses thought in the language that's familiar with them, something that they can relate to. And I think that's maybe another part to mention that we need to do that too. We need to be relatable to others. Because if you want to be an evangelist, if you're called to do that, or right, you got to be relatable to others. Because if you're just impulsive and your personality doesn't match that, then you're really doing no good in that sense. Like Paul was mentioning about Paul. Parts of what he's saying is from their own poets. And this goes back to what was mentioned earlier. Paul's not stupid in this sense that he come from a college town, so to speak, a college city. He was well-educated, well-rounded. He knew a lot of things. And he knew even some of the, like all of you know, you know some secular songs and poets and things that are, not necessarily scripture, not necessarily evil either or whatever, but you know things and you can use those things as well in your ministry and when you're talking to relate to people because if you're, much as I'd like to live in a cave the rest of my life, just the monk way of life just doesn't work. He's made us to be around people. It's just the way it is. For in him, Paul continues, for in him we live and move and are also, and also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Now then, since we are the offspring of Elohim, the one who he's proclaiming, we're the, this unknown one, 
We should not think that the Elohim is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by the skill and thought of a man. So he's taking real basic, theo, uh, basic uh, what would you call it, reasoning. He's reasoning, basic reasoning here. Okay, your own poets of that time speak of this, and, and so if that's the case, then how, how does that work that this idol really is your God? Can silver and stone, can you rely on those things at the end of the day, guys? Can you really rely on science? Is science going to save you? You might know all the science and all the books. At the end of the day, is science going to save you when he shows up or when death comes and you can't push death away? I would say no. Truly, then, having overlooked these times of ignorance, Elohim now commands all men everywhere to repent, to return. Because he has set a day on which he is going to judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, having given proof of this to all by raising him from the dead. Because remember, they were like, who's it babbling about this? And then this resurrection and this Yeshua. Come to our big town meeting and fill us in on your ideas. Again, these ideas that Paul's working, Yeshua being the judgment, obviously it's talking about that one who rose from the dead. But again, that's not a new, new idea. No one has written about Jesus yet. No one has written about that. It only has happened. So for Paul, again, to go along with this idea there must be something in this idea of judgment of something in the scriptures for him to uh, look at the roller coaster ride that he took his audience. Okay, you got a God that you don't know who it's all about. Well, let me tell you who he is. And boom, 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 boom. He just hit a lot of the key reasoning ideas and even quoted some of the poets at the same time to bring them to the point that judgment's coming and you better change. Deuteronomy 30, 19. So Paul's idea, along with Yeshua, it's not a new idea. I have called the heavens and the earth as witnesses today against you. I have set before you Life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, you shall choose life. This is what Paul wants here from his audience, I would say. So that you live, both you and your seed, your children after you. 
to love Yahweh your Elohim, to obey his voice, and to cling to him, for he is your life and the length of days. So this is why Paul is mentioning his God and why it's so important that he is unique from all that they could philosophize and imagine in their hearts, get scientific in everything. He's beyond all that. You can't give him anything because he owns everything. He's made everything. So the process that eventually that you see in Scripture with the sacrificial system, it's for our benefit to check our heart, to keep in line with him because, again, he has everything. He just, maybe, maybe in some ways, the one thing that he lacks is for you to choose him. But he's allowing you to make that choice. I often thought it is not good for man to be alone. Sometimes I wonder if that's a proclamation in the back that Elohim saying it's you know it's not good for me just to be me. I, I I'm totally speculating here, because if he's love and he's righteousness and he's all this, he wants. I would imagine he made humanity to share all those experiences of who he is. That would be my guess. That is just a personal guess behind that statement. So let me finish up. Truly, men have um, overlooked these times in ignorance. Elohim now commands all men everywhere to repent. I, I know I read this. Because he has set a day and which is going to judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, having given proof of this to all by raising him from the dead. So, let me just stop there. If you want, I can write you down. Let me write you, or I'll give you some things to write down. We did Deuteronomy 30. You can write Job 12.9. Look at that with Paul's last statement here. Um, Daniel 5.23. So, Paul is getting this all from the Hebrew scriptures. It's the words of Elohim. It's the voice of Elohim who has convinced Paul who he is to worship the God of uh, Israel. And on that way, because remember, Paul wasn't up for this Yahshua Messiah thing. But we saw that that had changed in his life. Isaiah forty seventeen. it gets much deeper, obviously. Um, the thing where we can get all the references from Paul. So here I see all the statements Paul has made to this point are completely founded in the Hebrew Scriptures. Every single one. And if you go search those out, what he's talking about, you'll find the deeper things that I know uh, the Apostle Paul was quite aware of as well. Had confidence in what he was saying because he had these words from the creator of the universe. So let me stop there. Let me, or, you know what, maybe we can just end it. And hearing of the resurrection of the dead, some indeed mocked while others said, 
we shall hear you again concerning this. Wow. So hit a chord with a couple people. Maybe some good soil might be being prepared here. And so Paul went out from among them, but some men joined him, uh, but some men joined him and believed. Among them, uh, the Norius and the Arabite, sorry, and a woman named uh, Damaris and others with him. So, the words of Elohim struck it with some people. So, so let me close in prayer if there's no, no other comments. We've ended chapter 17 and we'll start 18 when we get back from Sukkot. Those who are going Sukkot, you just heard a trivia question, so pay attention. Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy, your faithfulness to your words. Father, all is yours in how you would share yourself, who you are with us, that you would, your words would come among men, but they could not die. Your words could not die. They resurrected, and they are now bringing us back home to you. We thank you for your love and your mercy, all that we find in your son, Yahshua, our Messiah and our King. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Thank you.